So then Samuel said, Why do you ask me? And think of the ludicrousness of this. Samuel said to Saul, Why do you seek me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And this is a great question. You know, one that Saul should have considered before he consulted the medium. Is is he expecting Samuel to give him a direction other than what God would have given him? Do you think Samuel now is going to change his mind, that God is going to use Samuel to say, you know, all that stuff I said back to you in chapter 15, it, it's, it's not going to happen. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In our lesson today, we see that after the medium agreed to call on Samuel for Saul, Samuel appeared, and he was visible to both the medium and Saul. This wasn't a crystal ball appearance that only the medium could pretend to see, nor was it a voice in the dark as in a seance. This was a real appearance of Samuel. God allowed this strange appearance of Samuel because it accomplished two things. It reconfirmed the coming judgment upon King Saul in a dramatic way. And it taught the medium a powerful lesson about the danger of her occultic craft. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes chapter 28. The Lord killed him. The Philistines did it, but the Lord allowed it. The Lord knew that was coming. That's why he could tell Samuel, as we're going to see here shortly, Samuel told him and prophesied, tomorrow you're going to be with me. In other words, you're going to be with me in the grave You're going to be with me in the grave. So verse 11 in our text says, Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? (laughs) And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And you know, this is really hard. It's hard to read, and I can't imagine the turmoil of Saul's heart as he is just violating everything in his whole existence. Do you see that? I mean, just in asking her this thing, he's violating every single thing that his life meant was about. Every single thing. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Why did she cry? We'll look at that. (laughs) And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. Evidently, it appears that the Lord here somehow made her aware that Saul was there. Perhaps Samuel told her himself. We really don't know. But I'm sure she had never experienced anything like this before because remember, she's used to speaking to a familiar spirit and now she's dealing with something, with someone who is more powerful than anything she's ever experienced before. Because normally a medium, like we talked about before, will will be under the, the influence of a lying spirit, a lying demon, right? And it will impersonate whoever it is that's coming up. But this something different happens here. Samuel does come up. The spirit of Samuel comes up. And you've got to be scratching your head like most Bible students. Why would God allow something like this? Why would God? 
We'll, we'll answer that in just a minute. But notice in verse 13. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And it's interesting to me how selfish Saul is at this moment in his life because by consulting her and not putting her to death, as the Mosaic law prescribed, and that, that sounds very harsh for us, but that's how God dealt with sin. That's how he slowed the spread of sin down, is by having very stiff consequences, especially for certain sins. Right? That's how he slowed it down. And you know what? It was very effective. So by, not, by consulting her and not putting her to death as the law prescribed, he was not only condoning her sin, but he was emboldening, emboldening her, really, to continue in what she was doing rather than being discouraged to turn away from it. Do you realize how selfish that is for him? Because he wanted to know something about the following day. I want to know how this battle with the Philistines is going to go. Am I going to win? Is, is, is Israel going to win? Am I going to come out of this thing okay? He doesn't care about the woman. There's no, there's no concern for her whatsoever. And it reminded me of a verse in Romans when it talks about the wicked. It says in Romans 1, verse 32, Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And that's exactly what Saul is doing here. He's condoning what she's doing. He's approving what she's doing. And after he leaves, I'm sure she is going to be emboldened to continue doing it. How selfish it is. And that's what sin does. We don't think about other people when we're involved in sin. It's always about me. It's always about us. We're not really thinking about anybody else, and that's the insidious nature of sin. Sin always hurts more than one person. It's not just you. It's always others. Always others. There's always a price. This is a hard chapter tonight. But it's, I, I, I love the honesty of it because it doesn't candy coat what Saul did. And God makes no apologies for interrupting the seance, which most people would think God would never be involved in a seance. He wasn't involved. He overthrew the seance. His power is over it. And not only this, what does it say in verse 14? So he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. So now he's bowing down to Samuel. Now he's committing another sin, isn't he? Because what does it tell us in Exodus? You should not make for yourselves any carved image. And certainly no carved image was made by Saul. But notice, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. And now Saul now is so enamored with his, his, his father figure. And granted, Samuel was a wonderful man, but he was not worthy to be bowed down to. You bow to God, and he is a king. People bow down to him, but now he's bowing down to somebody who's not a king, but certainly of greater moral character. But even still, the only one that Saul should have bowed his knee to is Jesus Christ. Same thing for you and I. We bow to him. Verse 15, so Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me from bringing me up? 
And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. And again, this is a very hard place in the scripture for us. You know, why God would allow this abomination and something that was forbidden to begin with. Why did God allow it? And the simple answer is, I don't know, but God. (laughs) Remember, he's sovereign over all things. What does the Bible tell us? In Acts chapter 10, remember when Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house, what did he say to him? He says, the word of God sent to the children of Israel, or the word of God which, uh, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord over all. God is Lord over all. He's the Lord over everything. In Hebrews 12, verse 9, shall we not much more readily um, be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Speaking of God, he's the Father of spirits. He created all things. Yes, even the demons, before they fell, he created all of that. So he is the Father of spirits. He is the Lord over all. What does it say in Psalm 24? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and all those that dwell therein. What does it tell us in Colossians? Chapter 1, verse 16, For by him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, including demons. God is sovereign and controls over all of it. They are not loose cannons that can just go out and do what they want. No, they have to go through God before they can do anything. Look at the first couple chapters of Job and you'll see that. They do things only by permission. And God allows only certain things when he knows it's going to benefit the person. And sometimes when the person has gone too far, right? So then Samuel said, why do you ask me? And think of the ludicrousness of this. Samuel said to Saul, why do you seek me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And this is a great question. You know, one that Saul should have considered before he consulted the medium. Is, is he expecting Samuel to give him a direction other than what God would have given him? Do you think Sam, you know, Samuel now is going to change his mind, that God is going to use Samuel to say, you know, all that stuff I said back to you in chapter 15, it, it's, it's not going to happen. It's okay. Don't worry about it. No, I got some, a new revelation. No, that never happened. God told Samuel exactly what to say, and he said it, right? And so is he expecting now that he can bring up Samuel and expect maybe now a different answer? Notice it says, and the Lord has, and Samuel continues speaking to Saul, and the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. I've told you this, Saul, already. Weren't you listening? For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Why? Because you did not obey the voice. We just read that in First um, Samuel 15, didn't we? He, he, you, you were, um, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. To you, this is exactly the same thing that Samuel told Saul while he was still alive. And, and we, we read a portion of that tonight. Verse 19, it says, Moreover, the Lord will also deliver you into my hand, into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. This is really bad news. 
See, the reason we know this is God working in Samuel, God is, is using Samuel here, overriding this whole demonic thing. God is using Samuel to tell Saul, Saul, you're at your last rope. You want to know what's going to happen tomorrow? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. You and your sons, because of your rebellion, you and your sons are going to be with me. You're going to be in the grave tomorrow at this time. And the Philistines are going to rule over, they're going to win the war. Wouldn't it have been better for Saul never to have known that? Can you imagine? What would you do? I've thought about this. You know, what would I do if I knew that tomorrow, if God told me tomorrow is your last day? Think of how that would make you feel if you're already feeling insecure like Saul is feeling right now. He feels abandoned, and now he's got some more bad news. Can you imagine how that would just wreck him? Now he's going to go into a battle that's, like, meaningless to him. He's just, he knows he's done. And it does come to pass. That's why we know that it was the Lord. It comes to pass precisely as God said that to him. And it would have been better for him never to have consulted the medium. There's an old phrase that says, be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. Right? (laughs) It's a hard word. But that's what Saul was asking for. I want to know what's going to go on tomorrow. Do you really want to know, Saul? I want to know. Tell me. Tell me. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you really want to know, Saul. I think you'd better leave now. No, I want to know. No, you really need to leave. No, I want to, you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow? This is what's going to happen. And God tells him. And I'd imagine from that moment he's like, I really wished I didn't know. Because at least he would have some confidence going into battle. But now he's got none He's got none. And you know, this is a really, a really hard time. And, and, and it's good for us to learn from that we never get into a place like that. Or, or even in a place like David was, because while this is going on, David's struggling as well. In Psalm 106, verse 15, it says this, And he gave them their requests, but sent leanness into their soul. Speaking of Israel, but I think this... This whole thing that's going on with Saul right here is, is very similar. He gave him his request, but what did it do? Did it bring leanness to his soul? You better believe it did. It brought him right to the end of himself. He had no confidence whatsoever. This is really tough passage. And I love the fact that only God knows the future. And he's written it down for us to read. And the devils know what the Bible says. They know it probably better than we do, perhaps. They know what's coming. They just don't know how it's going to come to pass and the timing of things. They don't know what the timing is. So immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, verse 20, and he was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. Now, add to this. I don't know. Can you? I put myself in Saul's sandals here and... Have you been despondent and then on top of that physically you're, you're, you're famished as well? This is a really bad spot. I mean, I really feel for this man at this point, even though he brought it on himself, but it's hard. This is like the worst possible scenario for any human being on the planet. He's physically famished. He's, you know, the ceiling is, the heavens are like brass to him. Now he's just been told that tomorrow his life's over. Because of his rebellion. And Saul, no matter what you do, tomorrow you're going to, you and your sons. I mean, that's just, 
It's like you just want to, you know, run away from home at that point, <laughs> right? <laughs> Very tough thing. So verse 22, it says, And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and naturally and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. And here I can just imagine this this woman is very um, unsettled now because even though Saul swore to her by the Lord that he wasn't going to put her to death, now he finds out his own death is imminent and she's thinking to herself, I would imagine he's got nothing to lose at this point. I better make him something to eat. (laughs) Maybe it'll appease him. So she does. She makes him a calf, makes him a fatted calf, him and a couple other guys with him. And he spares her life. And you know, I'm. but he refused to eat. He says, I will not eat. And so his servants, together with a woman, they urged him, and he heeded their voice. But then he arose from the ground and then sat on the bed. And now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. And so she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And when they arose, they went away that night. They went away that night, and when we look, and we're going to end there tonight, but when we, um, we're going to look at chapter 30 next week, and then the week following the, the very last uh, battle that Saul is going to be in, and it's really a, uh, an unfortunate thing. And so, you know, some have asked, you know, was Saul a believer? That's another question, and I don't know. I mean, you look at these... Um, you can hear very wonderful men of God saying, yes, we believe he was just a backslidden believer. Others say that they don't think he was a believer at all. And to be honest with you, I don't know myself. But the, the thing that I come away from this is the thing we have to ask ourselves is, why would you want to model the life of Saul? I wouldn't, you know, don't model your life after that, where you, you just have this question mark over your head. Now, most of us in this room, we know we're born again, and I hope you know that. And, you, you know, your, 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 your destination is secure. Why? Because of your faith in Jesus, right? But even for, you know, for those who may be listening that are going to be hearing on the radio at some point, you know, there's going to be people hearing this message that don't have that confidence at all. They don't have that confidence, why live a life straddled on the fence? You know, if you think you've, you know, you have some semblance of religious or some kind of relationship with the Lord, but you like your sin a lot over here, and you're kind of playing this thing where you're straddled on the fence doing different things, and why do this kind of thing? Why do this? Why make your calling and your election sure, right? It doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect person, but what it is going to mean is you're going to be very... Serious about your devotion to the Lord. And why? Is because He loves you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you dabbling in those things because those things ultimately will lead you away from Him, away from the blessing, away from eternal life. Right? Especially if you're an unbeliever and you're dabbling in this stuff, you don't know when your time is up. So why play that game? Come to Christ immediately. 
We don't know. And for those of us who are Christians, have known him for a long time, if we're dabbling in things that we know we ought not to, today is the day to say those days are over. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to bed tonight, and I've dead, I'm dead to that thing that I've been doing for 10 years or the thing that I picked up last year, or the things that have been creeping into my heart, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be done with this thing. And confess it. And ask God to give you the strength to overcome it. You're not going to be able to do it yourself, necessarily. You need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God to give me the strength to resist those things. So let's not play games with those things, even as Christians. Because you may be going to heaven, but you know your life, the, the, cl- the closer you walk to Jesus, and the more you stay away from the edge of those things, like, you know what I'm talking about, whatever they may be, the farther you are away from the edge, the greater joy you're going to have, the bigger smile that's going to be on your face. Is it going to be a life void of complications? No. But are you going to have joy in the midst of the storm? Yes. Are you going to, have a, you're going to be able to sleep at night and put your head on your pillow knowing that you, 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 you've, as far as you know, your account is all caught up with the Lord? Anything that you've done that day, you've confessed, and he's forgiven you. Do you confess? Things that you did before you go to bed. Just say, Lord, if there's anything that I've forgotten, something dumb that I've done today that's against you, Lord, would you please forgive me? And maybe you do know things, but confess and be cleansed from those things. Come into agreement with them and be done with it. And live a fruitful life, a joyful life, a life that is a magnet for others. Isn't that what we want? It's not for people to be a magnet to us, but Jesus in us, right? That's what I want. I want my life to be where people are like, why aren't you bummed out like everybody else? Why, why, you know, and and that's a challenge because sometimes I I walk around with a mopey looking face on because I'm dealing with something or struggling with, you know, just the things that are going on. And, you know, it's it's uh, a conviction on my end too. You know, what's my life? Is Is there a fragrance about my life? Is Jesus really the center or have I placed him off over here? <laughs> it's a decision we have to make. But let's make that decision tonight, brothers and sisters, family, beloved of God. Let's be done with those things. Maybe none of you in this room or anybody online have anything to, maybe there's nothing pressing, you know. And praise the Lord if that's the case. But if you do, just confess it tonight and be set free. Be set free. Whom the Son is set free is what? Free indeed. I want to be free, don't you? We're free. We're free. We're free. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ and how you set us free. Lord, you give us the the freedom to not do those things. Lord, you've given us your spirit. And Lord, how we count on you, Lord, to just continue to convict our hearts, to continue to love us in ways that only you can. And Lord, I pray for all of us that you would just deliver us from things that we're on the fence about and playing around with that nobody knows about. And Lord, that we would just love you and that your love would just envelop each one of us, Lord. I pray that it would just cover us, that you would cover us and wash us in in the wonderful blood of Jesus Christ, our soon-returning King, the one who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. Lord, have your way with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.